especially Christmassy, uber-festive edition of the Empire Podcast, we bring you as many guests as Scrooge faced ghosts. There's a ghost of Empire Podcast past, Julia Ducournau, director of Titan. There's the ghosts of Empire Podcast present, the Kingsman's men, Risa fans and Tom Hollander. And the ghost of Empire Podcast yet to come. Don't look up, director. Adam McKay, plus the usual news, nonsense, and mince pies on the movie podcast that is all for unexpected Christmassy gifts. But given the choice between COVID-19 and a pair of socks, I'd have gone for the latter, thank you very much. Thanks to whoever gave me COVID-19 Secret Santa. Ho, ho, hello, pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, taking time away from wrestling with that infernal whelp known as The Cove to bring you the last episode of the Empire Podcast for 2021. Oh, But hey, just in time for Christmas. Hooray! Hooray! How wonderfully generous of us, and not at all motivated by the fact that I had booked way too many guests for last week's show, so I had to improvise wildly and add one at the last minute. Anyway, it is Christmas, it is a time of miracles, so let's have a little Christmas story, shall we? Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was staring, except for three colleagues of such lethal cunning coming to the rear in standard two-by-two cover formation. Please welcome Geek Queen Helen O'Hara. Hello. Great big fucking nerd, James Dyer. It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. So be of good cheer and introduce the nicest man in serial killing, Ben Travis. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> the police have got themselves an RV. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. This, this whole podcast is going to be punctuated with you just dying this rattling, drawn-out death, isn't it? Yeah, many people will be hoping, fingers crossed, this might be it. He might shuffle off. Is this going to be like that Buffy episode where they upload the demon into the internet? Are you going to speak the cove into the microphone and onto the internet? Are we all at risk? Yeah. This is host to COVID Boogaloo. There is an episode of Red Dwarf where they transmit a hex virus via the radio waves. So perhaps this could actually happen. Mm. It could actually Omicron happen. Can it could be actually happen. Yeah, can uh-huh. be transmitted via mm-hmm. podcast. So we're beaming yes. it out now into everyone's ears. Well, at least you're not scaremongering though so that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. heaven for fend heaven for fend uh, so yes indeed true story folks in case you haven't been following me on social media uh, I have the cove I got the cove last week uh, none of my three colleagues have such lethal cunning well we don't know that for sure <laughs> Spider-Man would never hurt us it was worth come it, on Chris but if I, if, I, if I got it the Spider-Man, then I, I get it gladly. Uh, and also, I think my, my two vaccinations plus my booster have shielded me from the worst. It, was a, it wasn't a fun weekend, I'll be honest, uh, you know, but uh, I've, 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 it was like a bad cold. It was like a bad cold. And so I shudder to think what it would have been like if I hadn't been faxed up. Faxed up the wazoo. Um, I thought they just stuck it in your arm, but, but there you go. Anyway, welcome all. Welcome all. It's our Christmassy episode, folks. There's barely any news to talk about. There's some reviews as well, some big movies out this week uh, and and over the the Christmas period, in fact, the likes of Don't Look Up and Matrix Resurrections and The Kingsman and Titan and films like that. So we'll be talking about those later in the show. Um, But really, we're here just to get rid of the guests, (laughs) just to get them done, (laughs) just to get them out the door. And so I thought we'd have a really Christmassy, Christmassy listener question section. Chris, you could have called me to get rid of the guests. I've got my knives, I've got my implements. You need to get rid of people. I'm right here. I need to get you some more plastic for Christmas, Ben. Um, some more plastic sheeting. Oh, no. Uh, j- just to be clear to anyone who isn't 
This is an Empire podcast, but it also isn't because if we counted it as a numbered <laughs> Empire podcast, that would throw us off for episode 500. So yeah. we're here, but we're also not here and you shouldn't pay any attention to us. Okay. Yes, so we're indeed. like behind it's a like curtain. It's like the bonus track at the end of the album. <laughs> yes. So it's actually still a normal song, but because it's not on the little inlay card, it yes. doesn't count. This is, which is why it's not because this technically should be four nine six episode four nine six, but then we realized last week that if we did that, then episode five hundred, which is our big extravaganza live show, the all day event at King's Place in London on Saturday, February fifth. Tickets are on sale right now at kingsplace.co.uk. I can never say that, but I said it that time. Uh, and we'd love you to come along, quite frankly, because it's going to be absolutely off the hook. Uh, and we, yes, we realize, says a man who is currently battling COVID-19, that there is an escalation <laughs> of the pandemic going on at the moment. And uh, we are keeping an eye on the situation, as indeed our King's Place. And of course, the matter may be taken out of our hands. But as things stand right now, we are planning to go ahead for February 5th. Uh, so... You know, whether that means that, you know, some of the guests will be Skyped in or Zoomed in, that remains to be seen. Uh, so what we would say is if you fancy going along to that, uh, to, to come to the live show, which as we've explained before, but in case you're, this is your first time, will be an all day offense split into three segments, an Empire podcast quiz, an afternoon full of um, favorite Empire podcast formats, including the spoiler special and the live ranking and a live three fact structure, and then a behemoth or behemoth, if you wish, uh, of a podcast for the last three or four hours of the evening with some special guests and, and giggling idiots and all that sort of stuff. Those tickets are available right now via the King's Place website. You can get a discount if you buy tickets for all three sessions. So I would say, yes, there's a possibility that it might move. Your tickets will be transferable. And if the new date, should there be one, doesn't suit your needs, then you can get your tickets uh, refunded. That would be absolutely, totally fine. But I would, what I would say is that it'd be like, you know, get in, get, get in now, get your seats secured, get the good seats while they're still there because tickets are selling uh, well, I am told as well. Uh, so that is good. That is good to hear because we would love to sell out. We would love to have you guys there on the night. February 5th, we shall see. But that is the plan as things stand. Uh, and yes, so I'm battling COVID, but I should hopefully be recovered by Len and let's see how it goes. How are you guys fixed for Christmas? You all sorted? I'm safely home. So that's that's what I was worried about and I've been stressed about for the past uh, month more than that. Uh, but I am now home and uh, hanging out with my parents and sister and doing very, very little. So fingers crossed, all will be well from here on in. And everything's negative, all tests are negative. All tests are negative, testing daily because I had contact with you, you bastard. So uh <laughs> so, so I'm the keeping a very cove close eye on it. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm very keeping a very close eye on it, yes. I have also made it back to the Shire uh just in time before the ring wraith swooped in. Um still testing negative, still feeling fine. I got my booster. I had a horrible night after my booster, uh, but still searching oh. for the elusive elusive turbo man. Yeah. Put the cookie down. Put the cookie down. Put the cookie down. Oh god, that's down, gonna kill my throat. Don't do that. Don't do that. Put that cookie down. Um, Your wife's cookies are out of this world. <laughs> oh my god, these cookies. It's turbo time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I, I mean, it's like, as we recorded, it's the 21st of December, the day after my birthday. And uh, I, 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 I'm still waiting for the show of Nottingham to come on TV and actually cancel Christmas. So I'm not convinced it's going to go ahead. So we'll wait and see what happens in that regard. If I bump into him tomorrow, I'll uh, let him know to do that. <laughs> Yes, please do, Ben. Uh, yeah. Technically, it has been cancelled for me, the old Christmas. Um, it I'm, has, I'm, yeah. I'm isolating uh, in, in my flat. My wife has domain, the domain. My wife has domain. My wife has dominion over the uh, living room and the, the big bathroom. Uh, I have dominion over my little office here, our bedroom, and the bucket. Uh, so that is. Is That's that Francis news. McDormand's bucket, or did Claude <laughs> uh, provide it for you? I didn't ask. I just found it outside and <laughs> and, and dragged it in. And uh, yeah, it's going for, it's going very well. I'm getting close to emptying it. So uh, it's well, come on. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the that's the bit we draw the line. <laughs> that's the moment. <laughs> that's the one. All right, okay. Uh, but you know, it's 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 fine. We're we're getting there. It's 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 been weirdly just it's, it's been strange. You know, the whole self isolation thing. You know, like I'm literally in the flat with my wife, and you know, we 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 go to the door and we'll talk to each other through the door. But I haven't properly, you know. Uh, no, I haven't probably seen her for about four or five days now, and it it, it sucks. And we're not going to be that able to sucks. spend Christmas together as things stand. So, but hey ho, hey ho! Once again, Spider Man: No Way Home, worth it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm so anyway, sorry. Anyway, some Christmas so questions. <laughs> <laughs> she, she knew the risks. She yeah, she knew she what knew. she was getting into when she married me. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> This is a life she chose, a life she leads. There's but one guarantee. <laughs> Nothing will keep Chris from Spider-Man. Uh, absolutely. One true wife. <laughs> All right. So um, in the interest of this Christmassy episode, I decided that we would have some Christmas movie-related questions sent into us by the lovely folks at home via Twitter. Um, I asked Jesse for Christmas movie-related questions. Everyone took that as a, a signal to send in the same question. But don't worry, <laughs> I will find different questions to ask. Uh, so a couple of variations. Lots of people asked, what's the best non-Christmas-related Christmas movie? I.e. the movie that you put on a Christmas that feels Christmassy, even though it isn't necessarily set mm. at Christmas. Mm. And then a lot of people asked, hey... What if you could do like that Muppet thing, you know, where you took every movie and you, you know, you, you replace the cast and you do the Muppets and there's just one human. John Wick. John Wick. It's not very Christmassy, is it though? But, you <laughs> no, know. No, but it'd be excellent with Muppets. <laughs> yeah. If you could do a, if you could do a Christmas movie, Jimbo, if you could do that, to replace a, the cast of a movie except for one person with a Muppet cast, and I'm going to exclude the Muppet Christmas Carol from this conversation. Mm-hmm. What would it be and why? So it has to be a Christmas movie, and I, I'd love to see I Love mean, Actually fairly with clear in that, Yes. <laughs> well, I'm just saying because I guess replacing things with Muppets is not inherently Christmas yet in and of itself. But yeah, like, can you imagine Love Actually with Muppets? Like, because it's pretty <laughs> fucking creepy as it is. But I just feel like if you put Muppets in, it would take it to an entirely new level. Like, it would absolutely be Fozzie because he's a fucking sociopath. Like holding the the signs outside, you know, Miss Piggy's having her just married Kermit and he's outside holding up the, the sign saying, you know, uh, because it's Christmas and at Christmas you tell the truth. No, no hard pass. Fozzie's too much of a performer to do that. He, he wouldn't be able to keep quiet. He wouldn't you be think? able to do the cue cards. He'd be like, waka, waka, waka. Do you think yeah. Stapper and Waldorf would be the... Uh, the uh, Sam the, the American the- Eagle. <laughs> yeah, that I'd like to see. Oh my god! Well, obviously, Animal would be the kid. Would be playing Thomas Brady Stangster because he's a drummer, <laughs> so that would yes. make absolute sense. Ringo is his god. Chris Marshall, the guy who ends up having a threesome, would be bigger. 
because Peter, <laughs> Peter and Chris Marshall actually yeah, look alike actually look to alike. a great extent yes. and their performance styles aren't that dissimilar either and I would just love to see him <laughs> I would love to uh, frankly I'd love to see Bigger having a, a threesome with January Jones and uh, uh, Eliza whatever oh, her wait, name is I thought we were only keeping one human but yeah. I'm, I'm, I've had a window into your fantasy <laughs> there that I absolutely <laughs> didn't sorry. need I assume it's the fever talking or something but at, I didn't at any point know. If, if I say something weird assume the COVID-19 is taking control of my body like um like like edgar the bug man in men in black like the I, I rat see, uh, in ratatouille statler and waldorf <laughs> yes. playing martin freeman and joanna page just because they'd be you know oh no pawning it up and that would be weird oh, oh no boy. i do not oh. want to see this what are you doing down there that's awful is kermit hugh grant do we keep emma thompson because everyone loves her she's the only human yeah i think if we're allowed one human it's emma thompson we keep emma thompson yeah so, so who is she married to? Well, who, who's going to be Alan Rickman? Well, no, that's a good Alan point. Rickman is, that's surely a Sam the Eagle, isn't it? Sam the Eagle is more Alan Rickman. That's Can, true. Don't you think? Oh, that is true. Okay, yeah. okay. Instead of a Joni Mitchell CD, it would be, you know, that like uh, hippie Muppet with the long hair who's like, <laughs> that would be the album. The, the, no one knows the, that Muppet's name. Album. No one. That's uh, Dr. 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 The girl in the band? No, there is, is it Dr. Cornelius or something? It's the name of the band. The band that's is named after. the girl's name. Doctor Heath. Doctor Heath. That sounds right. Yeah, I, I I can't remember the name of the the band, but yeah, that's that's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, God, who else is in that? There's oh, it's, it's such a terrible fucking film. Who else is in that movie? <laughs> Instead of Bill Nye, you have the Count. I think he'd do quite well in that position. What? I do. I do. What? I just him. he's got he's got flamboyance to him. I think it would work. One is all around me, <laughs> yeah, and exactly all that. the feeling grows. Mm. Two is all around me. <laughs> Swap Ant and Deck out for two Muppet chickens. What about yep. Ant or Deck? Gonzo. Gonzo. Gonzo is Andrew Lincoln. Oh, that's perfect. Gonzo is Andrew Lincoln. That oh. is perfect. Okay, you this is working perfect. Gonzo, Andrew Lincoln. <laughs> Do you know his real name? What? Andrew well, Lincoln? Which one? Yeah, Gonzo. Andrew Lincoln's real name. Anyone know a real name? It's, uh, <laughs> it's Gonzo. It's Gonzo. Gonzo Lincoln. <laughs> it's Gonzo Lincoln. It's, it's not far off. It's not far off. I'll, I'll give you five seconds to come up with Andrew Keith. Lincoln's real name. Trevor. Keith. Godfrey. Keith. No, I'll, I'll, okay. Agamemnon. I'll let you in on this. His first name is, the, is Wright, so it's Andrew. Okay. All right, but his surname is not Lincoln. Does anyone know what it is? Well, it can't be as good as Olivia Wilde being Olivia Cockburn, so I feel it will be anticlimactic, I mean, whatever. You say that, but that was probably pronounced Coburn in the hyacinth uh, bouquet way. You say that. <laughs> I'd like to think it wasn't. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's Coburn. That's why she fucking changed down. it, isn't it? If it was Coburn, she'd have kept it. <laughs> well, you see, I think, I think uh, Lincoln may win this, not because there's a sexual innuendo, but just because his real surname is Clutterbuck. He's Andrew Clutterbuck. That's Amazing. That's delightful. delightful. If they ever make those Walking Dead big screen movies, I need him to, to swap out his name, swap mm. it back, and on the big screen in the IMAX, Andrew Clutterbuck is Rick Grimes. <laughs> anyway, I don't think we can top that answer. So well done. Well done, James. I was going to say... Ben, ben, I, okay, go on, Ben. Leaning into Chris's hatred of Home Alone, I feel like the one thing that Fucking would Home accentuate mm. that Kevin McAllister is a total vil villain is if you keep him the human and everyone around him is Muppets. So it's Kevin beating the absolute shit out of Muppets for two hours. No, no. I mean, I'm trying no. to think of like serious Christmas no. movies, and and the one that no. like I keep coming 
back to things like the Phantom Thread, and everybody except well, I'm I'm torn though. Everyone except Vicky Creeps as a model is is a Muppet would make more sense narratively, but also I'd love to see Daniel Day Lewis acting opposite Muppets. I think that would be a very special thing. Also, the Green Knight. Okay. Everyone's a Muppet, but Dev Patel. I mean, that's not far off the actual movie. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, that's that's why I think it would work. Yeah. So, w- w- would Kermit be the Green Knight? I mean, you know, thematically, yes, but actually, I, I would still like to have someone large as the Green Knight. You know, I bet you would. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what? COVID-19 talking, it's COVID-19. COVID-19. It's COVID-19. It's COVID-19. He's feverish, people. He's feverish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, um, Ben, I, 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 I get what you're talking about, but the Home Alone thing. I feel very strongly that Kevin McAllister should be the only Muppet in the cast and everyone else should be human <laughs> and it should just consist of mainly Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern curb stomping the little fucker for 90 minutes. And then maybe set them alight. You want to watch someone curb stomp a Muppet for 90 minutes? What kind yeah, of a monster it, are it's, you? It's, kind of, it's, it's, it's fun... Consequence-free violence, isn't it? Wow, I I feel like that's you find the it's only way to, Co- to make COVID-19. Home Alone COVID-19 more violent. Stuff. That's amazing! <laughs> yes. Wow. What did you what did you what did you come back from a from a press screening crestfallen? What did you just watch? I watched a a, a fun Christmassy family comedy. Well, what's wrong with you? It involves a young boy made out of felt being curb stomped by Joe Pesci for ninety minutes straight. And then they set him alight for no reason. Oh my god! Five stars. Uh, okay, so let's ask. Let's answer the other question. Sure. Which was non-Christmasy Christmas movies? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> Harry Potter. But Harry Potter, yes, although Christmas does occur Christmas in, does Harry Potter, in Harry Potter, so Harry Potter. I think that's ruled out on a technicality. Does um, Christmas not occur in Lord of the Rings? Do they not have a Christmas? Do they not have? Yeah. Uh, but there's gift giving. But I don't know that it's. Definitely it's, Christmas. It's at the start of a journey. It's not at a Christmas-like yeah, I'm sure, event. I mean, sure, Galadriel is wearing red and has a big stick on beard and stuff. But but I think you know, I I, I don't feel that it truly qualifies. I see. I think it's partly because this came out at Christmas, so I will I will always associate this films with Christmas because they released. Admittedly, the first Harry Potter did come out at the same time, but yeah, it, it feels festive to me. And I think oftentimes because it's the only time you really ever have that amount of free time where you can sit back and watch all three extended editions back to back. Christmas is the only time you can feasibly do that. So I've I've traditionally only done it then. So yeah, yeah. Mm. Lord of the Rings, Christmas ring rates, all for it. Twenty years this year, can you believe it? Oh, I feel so old. I know. <laughs> my God, I haven't been watching any movies in lockdown so far. In my, in my self isolation tank, <laughs> that is my bedroom and bucket. Uh, I've been mainly watching darts and um, dope sick and um, dope sick and so cheerful but so good yes, I know but it, 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 honestly my Saturday night was watching back to back episodes of dope sick <laughs> was like, one more one more I want to see them nail them I want to I want to see them get them <laughs> and then of course I didn't realise that the last episode doesn't air until this week so I was like no uh, and then I've been watching lots of What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show, which mm. I've I've recently kind of got back into, and I think it's tremendous. But I'm just, I'm not, I don't know whether it's because I'm in a bad place mental health-wise or not, <laughs> but I'm just not in the mood for uh, for fun, uplifting Christmas and movies right now. I don't want to watch them when I can't watch them with my wife, but we're going to try tonight to watch Hawkeye episode five and four and five ahead of tomorrow's season finale. Tomorrow, mm. by the time you're... <laughs> Tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this, will be two days ago. <laughs> but of course, I think, I think somewhere in that region. Uh, so we're going we're to try and do that. 
I'm enjoying this recap of the TV that you've been watching, Chris. Have you ever thought of coming on to the uh, Pilot TV podcast and you could, uh, you could tell us the, oh, what we've been oh, watching so segment? he's invited. He's invited, is he? Oh, in my defence, okay. Helen, I did invite you on to talk about Wheel of Time. Admittedly, no, no, I gave no, you no, about no, half no, an no, hour's no, no. notice. But after yes, that was after the most being publicly shamed, you, 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 you tossed a rather insulting invite in my direction, which you failed to repeat when the Pilot TV podcast actually began half an hour later. That is true. James, you know, it's a, it's a very nice offer. You know, I do like to give something back to the smaller podcasts. So maybe I will, maybe I will appear in your podcast and boost your numbers a little bit. Who knows? Uh, that would be grand. Thank you. <laughs> Any more non-Christmassy Christmassy movies? Paddington. Paddington has all the warmth Paddington. and joy of Christmas. But Is it not a Christmas movie? No, I think they're quite summery. Uh, technically, the first one ends with some snow. They go out and have a snowball fight, but there isn't. I don't think a Christmas tree. Yes, you're right. But he's oh. absolutely right. It has all of the feels of a Christmas movie without the actual, you know, Christmas. Joy, warmth, marmalade. <laughs> all the goodness. Yes, all the things you need. Uh, you do eventually plan to have uh, 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 some Christmas in your um, uh, uh, Christmas movie. Jurassic World is a Christmas movie, by the way. Well, we're counting it is. on Christmas, yeah, and Christmas it is yeah. movies. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, what else in your go-to list then for the, for this year? What are you What are you planning to watch, and what's not a specific Christmas movie? Might be a better way of 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 rooting out the mm. the culprits here. Well, for reasons uh, for reasons, I am rewatching lots of Spider Man <laughs> movies because Spider Man is just in the air at the moment, and it is nice to rewatch the it's Spider not movies. Fucking thing is in the air. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'm I'm just going back and watching. I'm, I've been rewatching the Raimi ones. I might even rewatch oh. the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but Whoa. I haven't quite got myself there yet. So I'm gonna try. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try again. I'm gonna try again with the Amazing Spider-Man because I I tried and I failed. Uh, so I need to I need to give it another go. And if I try it and fail with the Amazing Spider-Man, God knows how I'm going to fare with the Amazing Spider-Man too. But I'm I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a <laughs> I'll go. I'll be honest. Mm. From so brave. my memories so brave. of it, I found Amazing Spider-Man two an improvement on the first. So it's a low it's bar. It's a very low it? bar. <laughs> it's a very low bar. But who knows? Well, I'll let you know when I've got to that stage of my rewatch. All right. So lots of Spidey films. Hell's lots bells. Of I'm. I've got the two Matrix sequels home to rewatch. Um, before seeing that. Uh, I was going to watch them like today, but it, that ain't happened. So um, I'll just watch them before I see it. Yeah, and and I have a I, I literally have a folder of a <laughs> of a little one of those little CD cases, um, which I bring all my Christmassy films home, and that includes non Christmassy Christmas films like Sleeping Beauty, like uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. Not technically a Christmas film, but it feels fine to watch at Christmas. At <laughs> uh, Lord of the Rings, as James said, I'm I'm very much the same boat for that one. Uh, so it's all the sort of traditional things I need at Christmas. I, it also, by the way, has things like a very supernatural Christmas. I think it's season three, episode eight. Of course, it does. And Blackadder's <laughs> Christmas special and Father Ted's Christmas special. So just the essentials, really, for this time of year. Okay. What am I watching over Christmas? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of TV to watch. Obviously, I just watched the whole of the fourth season of Cobra Kai, which comes out on, uh, I think, New Year's Eve, which is very, very exciting. Um, but I'm watching, I'm starting uh, the Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy again. Mm. Um, presents why? together strong. That's my that's my Christmas feeling. Uh, what do you mean, why? Because they're fabulous. Do you they're not like them? Are you, they're not fine. They are, they are great. Well, the middle one's fantastic. The other two are decent. But... Um, yeah, no, I, I'm with Ben. Yeah, they're, they're really good. Look, the first one is is 
I think tone is slightly different to the good. others. But I, the second one, the middle one is one I love Yes, most, middle I is think, the best uh, one. D- dawn is that. I always get it confused because as yeah, we... Yeah, the because pre- the rise comes before the dawn and dawn has a war and then you have war, which is last, but actually has no war because the mm. war was in dawn and it's like, uh, what the hell is going on? They're missing a trick, aren't they, in that franchise, though? There should be a Christmas in the Planet of the Apes movie, <laughs> Christmas don't you think? Yeah, <laughs> apes together, festive. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Caesar and Maurice and uh, Coba and the gang just sitting around giving each other, I don't know, what, leaves? Bananas? Fruit? Throwing feces at each other? I don't know. How do apes celebrate Christmas? You got me oh, feces! No. Oh, you got me feces! You got me this last year. King Kong, for the same reasons as Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the Peter Jackson King Kong is a Christmas movie for me. I mean, why would you ruin your Christmas, Helen? That's the question. <laughs> I like that movie. <laughs> it's a good, uh, yeah. it's a good movie. <laughs> it's still going on somewhere. It feels very oh, festive, wow. isn't it, when they get to New York and it's all wintry exactly. and snowy. There's, and, there's light, there's neon lights yeah. and there's snow on the ground. Like, and, and by that time you're thinking, God, this is long. I'll put on Get Back for a bit of light relief. <laughs> <laughs> An ape goes ice skating in Central Park. Come on, that's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Nothing says Christmas like a big dead monkey. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's Technically an ape then, I think you'll find. I'm telling the librarian on you. All right. Ook. I tell oh, you what, dear. actually, one of my Christmas traditions is, it is uh, getting home and taking pretty much a random Terry Pratchett book off the shelf and reading that. And burning it. What's this year's? This year, uh, I started off with uh, The Fifth Elephant mm. and I've gone on to Thief of Time. Oh, yeah. interesting. Like I said, I'm literally at random. There is no rhyme or reason to this. I've read them all a million times. It doesn't matter. So <laughs> Solid stuff. Solid stuff. Uh, should we have a couple more Christmassy questions so we can get sure. our first guest in yeah. down the Got chimney? Him. I hope I've just realized I don't have a chimney. This is bad planning on my part, but uh, hopefully they'll improvise. Uh, all right. So at Cantona's Ghost, best Christmas movie gift given or received over the years? Is this a movie in a, a, a gift in a movie, or is this a gift to us that relates to a movie? Oh, I don't know. I thought he was assuming. I thought he was uh, specifying us, but now I read it with my eyes. Uh, <laughs> I see that it may be the other one. Uh, in which case, loads of people sent this question in as well. So the best Christmas present given in a movie—it's Gizmo. It's also the worst, surely. I mean, people die. Yeah, Chris, you it's, know, it's a terrible, so, so terrible gift. Str- best is a strong word, but Gizmo is amazing. So, and also, can you give a Gizmo because, like, it feels like Gizmo is his own person and shouldn't be treated like chattel. But you give a puppy for Christmas. Yes, puppies for life, Ben, not just for Christmas. <laughs> this may be a call for somebody to give me a puppy for Christmas. If anyone's listening, <laughs> puppy for Christmas. Oh, I'd love that. I mean, I prefer turkey, but yeah, sure, why not? The library in Beauty and the Beast isn't a Christmas gift strictly, is it? So I guess not that. Otherwise, that's my go-to answer for all best gift questions. Honestly, who would turn their nose up at a Journey Mitchell CD? That is that is a solid present, <laughs> or it was at least in 2003. I mean, I, ben, and I'd go, thanks for the CD. Now where the fuck is the CD player? Because I don't have one, so I assume you bought me one as well. Thanks, Ben. And then if you went, I don't have a CD, but I didn't buy you a CD player. I've got, I've got fucking COVID, Ben. This could be my last Christmas. And then a guilt trip oh, wow. to buy me one. Oh, God, this escalated quickly, didn't it? It really yeah. did. That really stepped up a gear. I mean, clearly the ultimate Christmas present is the invisibility cloak. Top Christmas present That's a, for I mean, Philosopher's okay, Stone. Okay, but isn't... Okay, but... Okay, right. So Dumbledore... Okay, okay, okay. Okay, 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 okay. Dumbledore has been left that... They fuck you with the rubber requirement. They fuck you with the rubber requirement. By Harry's parents, 
and he then chooses to hand it over at Christmas. He is just trying to cut down on his Christmas present buying. Uh, He is trying to cheap ass this whole thing. That is a little bit rude, I think. Like that could have been given to Harry at any point in the past 11 years. And he saves it to Christmas because he just didn't get to the shops on time. He's a wizard. He could make things out of thin air. I think after this, he doesn't give any more Christmas presents. He's like, I'm done. I'm out. I have no more free shit to give. He's just bad at Christmas presents. I'm just saying. I think it's. uh, I think it's. Doesn't he give Harry Forks the Phoenix and Godric Gryffindor's sword? So he seems to be quite. Fine he doesn't really shit. give that, and that's not a Christmas present. Yeah, They're just yeah, things that are in around. The heat of battle. Yeah. <laughs> Here, have some shit from my study. <laughs> Turbo Man's a decent present. Is it though? <laughs> Is it though? That's gonna break. That's gonna break by February. You think? You think yeah. even when it's Arnold sized and has you know Arnold in it? <laughs> I've never seen Jingle All the Way. You've not, haven't you? <gasps> oh my no. god! I can't bring myself to. Put I can't bring myself down. To. It is terrible, and I I do love it. As a Rita Wilson completist, I thought I would have watched it by now, but but no, weirdly not. I would say, without any equivocation, it is the single worst on a Schwarzenegger film in existence, uh, and that wow. includes Cactus Jack. Everything I've wow. seen of it- Hey, don't you fucking come after Cactus Jack. <laughs> Everything I've seen of it indicates it's the single worst film in existence. It might uh, be. Oh, let alone no. the single worst on a Schwarzenegger So you haven't watched nearly enough Christmas movies, so my poor <laughs> oh, this sweet is true. I don't, summer I don't host a specialist podcast dedicated to Christmas movies, and yeah. I'm not regretting that choice with every every passing second. Some of, <laughs> some of them are, are very, very bad indeed. Um, the best present uh, in a Christmas movie is probably The House in... Miracle on 34th Street, Street. Mm. where she basically wants the house from the catalogue. So the idea is that this big fancy department store did up this already beautiful house for their summer catalogue, for their their Christmas catalogue, whatever it was, probably the next summer's catalogue, actually, if you think about it. Um, And the the mother of the family would quite like to buy it with her bonus. The daughter definitely wants to live there and they get that for Christmas from Santa Claus. That's a heck of a present. So the kid is basically a millennial who desperately wants a house and it's literally a miracle when she manages to get one. It's literally a miracle that she gets the house. I mean, in theory, there's there's a whole real world explanation of, oh, look, this is your Christmas bonus because you did really well for the department store this year. Here, have a house. But like, we all know that is bullshit. Yeah, it's definitely a miracle mm. provided by Santa Claus personally uh, intervening. So yeah. Santa, Chris Kringle, again, if you're listening, puppy. Also house? <laughs> Would be cool? Question mark. Oh, Ben, no one's had the chat with Ben? No. Okay, no, there's no chat to be had with Ben. No chat, it's, no it's chat all, here. It's all good. Was the it's chat to also good. ask for a PS5? Because I can do that. I just assumed um, the chat was that, Ben, you're a millennial, you will never own your own home, but sure. Oh, oh I've had wow, that chat. That, oh, I've wow. had that chat every <laughs> night in my life. <laughs> also, uh, is somebody going to tell them about the naughty list and its place vis-a-vis Helen, serial killing? the naughty killing? list is for the sex podcast. It is not for this one. Just leave that alone. Okay, but for the serial killing... That's the other chat with Ben. <laughs> okay. Both involve copious users of plastic. Um, but let's not get into that, shall we? Uh, here's a cracking question from at the Mebo. Who should play Santa that hasn't? Brendan Gleeson. Oh. I think he might have done, actually. I think we had this discussion last year. And we looked him I don't up think, and maybe he had. Did we? I don't think we did. Okay. I think this but might be just Brendan a conversation Gleason. you're having with your barista. Possible. But yeah. great, great beard. I want him to play Santa. Has Brian Blessed played Santa? Who? Brian Blessed. Uh, I think if he did, Santa would not survive <laughs> the impact at high speed, crashing into Brian Blessed's voice. 
uh, which ordinarily I would do, but um, I think if I were to attempt it, I would probably <laughs> shit myself right now, so I'm not going to. Thanks uh, so much. So, blessed relief. Well done. COVID-19, <laughs> Hewitt nil. Uh, he has spared everybody. Thing? Ho, ho, ho! There, I fucking did it. It was worth it. It was worth it. Uh, anyway, Seth Rogen. Oh, that'd be great. So that was it. That wasn't a, a, an internet delay. That was like a brain delay of trying to imagine like stoner Santa doing like a <laughs> <laughs> it would just be amazing. I need that in my life now. What have you done, Chris? I cannot rest. Because we we suspect, don't we? Because um, your bloke, the Rock, is in a four quarter. Oh, God, God. <laughs> but one of his one of his new movies is I can't even remember what it's called some generic name red but it's, zone it's, it's or something isn't it red, red yeah red something spot, like that red red red, red no red, not okay. red notice but red, red something notice. else I think I'm gonna look it up I'm gonna look it up because it's it, it it's a title so horrendous that I've forgotten what it is uh, but he is a Christmas related action comedy and we suspect even though the logline is being protected feverishly with all the uh, uh, all the importance of the of the naughty list. Uh, we suspect that he's going to be playing Santa Claus in that. Okay. Red one. Red one. Yes. Yes. Not to be confused with the big red one. Yeah. So I'm guessing what's, he's either Santa and Santa sleigh is taken over by terrorists or he, or Santa (laughs) sleigh goes down and then he has to lead the team to recover Santa sleigh in order to get Christmas back on track. And at some point you're going to have Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) Yeah, I, I know. Even as I'm saying it, I'm kind of yes. This sounds this sounds like <laughs> something that will be passable entertainment at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Seth Rogen is my choice to play Father Christmas. How about also um, uh, in love with Brienne in Game of Thrones, James? Ah, yes, Tormund Giant's Bane. Tormund Giant's uh, Bane. Christopher. Christopher. Surname that I'm not going to try and pronounce. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> why not? Yes, he is indeed the husband of bears. Why not be Father Christmas as well? Yeah, uh, I'm there for that. I, do you know what? I'm saying Brian Cox, but as Logan Roy. <laughs> That's a Father Christmas I'd pay to see. That would be the bleakest Christmas ever. He would have so little interest in any gifts. He he active. That's the first thing we know about Logan Roy is he doesn't care about gifts. Yeah. Santa, Santa, fuck off. <laughs> he doesn't seem to like giving people things. I've not seen Succession, but he seems like somebody who doesn't want to hand over things to the people who want mm. the things of him. No, indeed. He also no. doesn't even like getting gifts. Like he's just not here for the entire concept. Damn, that's that's pretty. I've actually sent Santa a dick pic. That's, yeah. gone, that's gone badly. I have one. Uh, not a yes, dick pic. Um, Jack Black. Jack Black needs to play Christmas. Jack Black needs to Jack play Christmas. Black. Needs to play Santa. Especially now, he's very beardy. He's mm. he's a big guy. He could like do, and he you know he'd do his Jack Black thing, and it'd be like while he's delivering the presents. It would be great. Yeah, I'm absolutely here for that. I yes, please. Jack the halls with boughs of holly. Oh, Jack the Holes, come on. You could call it Black Christmas if there weren't already a film of that name. <laughs> Maybe three or four of those films? I can't remember at this point. Yeah. yeah. There's lots, there's lots. But yeah, Jack Black, that would be amazing. All right. That's, All a, good, right. that's a good question. Yeah, good one. Good um, one. And I think a good question on which to bring our first guest in, shall we? All right, let's do it. Because that's it. That's the last Christmasy question this year. That's the last question we'll be taking from, from listeners this year, folks. Um, we'll be back. I'll tell you when we're back at the end of the uh, of the show. But if you want to send in your questions, non-Christmassy related now, and there were some good ones, actually, and I might even try and stockpile for next year. Who knows? 
then do get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter. Twitter is the only game in town at the moment. So I'm at Chris Hewitt on Twitter. Slide into my DMs, reply to any of my tweets. Uh, or just, you know, wait for a panicked shout-out every now and again. All right, time now for our first guest this Christmas. A pair of legs have descended down this makeshift chimney that I have just fashioned. And uh, whose legs are they? Who do they belong to? You get to choose. Do they belong to Adam McKay? Do they belong to Julia Ducournau? Or do they belong to... <laughs> Somehow two people, Risa Fans and Tom Hollander, who appear to have, uh, maybe they're onto each other's shoulders in a giant coat. <laughs> who uh, are they? Them in a giant coat, please. You want them in a giant coat. Okay, so this is Reese Ifans and Tom Hollander, who are two of the stars of The King's Man, which is, of course, the prequel to Matthew Fawn's first two Kingsman movies, and is set in and around the events that lead up to the First World War. Uh, and it is out on, in cinemas. On Boxing Day, Boxing Day, which is December 26th. I've just checked my calendar. Yes, December 26th. And in it, they play real-life figures, real-life characters. So, Risa fans is Rasputin. Ra, ra, ra Rasputin. Ra, Rasputin. No one knows it. No one knows Everyone knows the first bit. Russian queen. There we go. Then I don't know the rest. And he plays Rasputin, the mad monk. Uh, you may have already heard about how difficult it was to kill him in real life. Is it as difficult for the the nascent burgeoning Kingsmen to kill him in this? Well, you'll find out. But uh, Tom Hollander plays three people. He plays a Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany. He plays Tsar Nicholas II of Russia. And he plays King George V of England. Uh, because they were all cousins in real life. And so Matthew Fawn has leapt upon that and gone, well, what if they all looked like each other? Which they kind of did in pictures, if you if you see them together. Not like Tom Hollander, though. Uh, the two of them were on Zoom a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I had a good time with them. Here we go. Do please enjoy Hollander and fans. How's it going, guys? Hiya. Fine, thank you. Hiya. Good, good, good. I believe you've just been to the Kingsman pub. How was that? Yes, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> amazing creation. Yeah. Were you, uh, were you keen to stay there uh, rather than being dragged back to Junket Town? Not particularly, no. Um, <laughs> it didn't feel like a, a real pub. Yeah. All right. Okay. Excellent. It, it, it was all it was full of cameras. Yeah, it was great. It was pretend. It was good to pretend. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Um, well, um, it's interesting talking about this movie, I guess, because uh, it's been a while. This has been one of the, the hardest hit by delays during the pandemic. Uh, so how much do you remember of this movie? Do I, you know, do I have to refresh your memory at all? Or did you go back and revisit it? For example, I was on set the last day of filming, Reese, which was in Turin. That was yeah. in 2019. Yeah, I know. Well, we, 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 we were talking about this earlier as a cast. You know, it's, it's, it's so, you know, Junkets are, Press junkets are odd things to do anyway because you you do them at such a great distance from when you made the film. But in this case, it feels like we shot the film just after the second, the first world war ended. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> in terms of time, it, feel, it really does. So you know this this process of um, you know promoting the film has been one of kind of recalling uh, you know events and and and. Uh, and what have you. And also, you know, I haven't seen the film for, I think I saw the film two years ago. Um, and I think maybe it's changed a little bit since then. I don't know. So I'll be, that, I'll be really intrigued to, to, to watch it, you know. Um, um, so it does, feel, it does feel odd, but not, um, not unpleasant. You know, I, I'm, I'm just relieved that finally 
um, you know, um, people will get to go to the to the cinemas and and watch a film that is so uh, cinematic. You know, yeah. um, it really is a, a it is a a cinema movie without question. You know, mm. it's big and and brash and expansive and and um, and it take and it's a big kind of emotional roller coaster. You know. And uh, and Tom, what about yourself? What what are your memories of of this movie? Uh, well, very happy ones. Uh, yeah. But it was a long time ago, as you both said. But it was, um, yeah. I mean, it was in the. It was a very uh, rich, vivid experience in the pre-COVID world. So uh, it was, it was exciting then. Uh, but I suppose, in a way, we um, took certain things for granted when we were making it, which you can no longer take for granted. Mm. So uh, we weren't being tested every day, and we were all, you know, social distancing was not a phrase that any of us knew. Uh, there were an awful lot of people and an awful lot of cameras and machines and gizmos and mm. amazing technical wizardry. Um, it was uh, and Turin, which was a revelation as I'd certainly never been there before. And it's a very beautiful place. Did you get to uh, visit the, the shroud? I got, I got to have a little sneaky peek no, of where it was sh- kept, it was but it, was it, was the off. Cleaners. it wasn't there for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It had been purloined. Someone had nicked it. Yeah. I don't know where it we was. went to the Egyptian museum, didn't we? Which was brilliant. Oh, yeah. And we went to that amazing um, parliament building. No, the that designer that um Mil- Oh yes. That uh, was incredible. Earth is his name. Can't remember. It'll come to me in a minute. And the Resurgimento yeah. Museum. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, loads of um the Italian job locations because they shot um, <laughs> you know, the river they crossed, the big kind of fiat building. Um yeah, it's it kind of tinged with a bit of melancholy, you know, memories of that time, because it was, you know, I think certainly for me, the last film I shot in the free world, you know, before oh, wow. before the pandemic, you know, and um, the world, you know, when you think back, it, it was a very different world to what it is now, you know. Yeah. And you've, you've obviously both worked uh, in the pandemic. Well, how has that been? The, the, the change in working practices. The impression I get from the outside looking in, having been to a couple of sets now, is that companies and studios are trying their best to restore a sense of normality. Yes, there's bubbles. Yes, there's tests. But by and large, when you're on the set, it it mostly feels as if it's business as usual. Or is that is that a, a wrong very perception? Adaptable industry. Yeah. Is it every film, every different set has a series of unique logistical challenges and uh so in a way the covid one was a was the next challenge that the film sets had to adapt themselves to which they did pretty quickly they're very um mobile uh but uh but it does make the the incidental stuff off camera is less fun the chatting Mm. chatting in the wings all of that world is uh obviously changed yeah i think the work itself remains the same you know the 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 machinations of making a film and telling a story but the the community that creates that has suffered you know like it has in so many other industries in the sense that uh, normally on a film set after the first two weeks i know all the crew members by name Mm. you know 
And now we're working in an environment where everyone, certainly the crew, certainly are in a mask. So you don't have that associative face name going on. And it does feel like, like we've been, departments are kind of separate. And But hey, look, we're, we're, we're working mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, yeah. and that's a blessing. But it, yeah, but the, the romance um, has been um, diluted, so we say. Yeah. And that's an interesting word, romance, because watching this movie and watching your performances and Tom, your performance and your performance and your performance in this film just made me think of whether this movie in a way reminded you of why you got into this business in the first place. Because when you, when you, well, I may be wrong in this, but I suspect that when you decide to become an actor, a great part of it is playing wild characters and elaborate costumes and, and dress up essentially and yeah. and here Reese you're Rasputin the Mad Monk Tom you get to play with a variety of bushy beards and facial hair and different accents and it must have been it must have been joyous yeah you're right to identify that it does it's uh, in a way it's like well definitely when I was a kid I, I wanted to acting was about dressing up boxes and make believe and and living in worlds that you could never possibly live in in, in your own reality uh, and this is a massive adventure film um, in which we play these larger-than-life characters. Uh, so, yes, um, you're absolutely right. It was like that. Um, people do things that uh, they, most of us can't do in, in ordinary life. So it's a form of escapism and a form of adventure. Uh, yeah, to do it. It is. It did tick those boxes. It's not social realism it's not about uh revealing uh the the nuances of the and emotions of uh everyday uh experience you know to relate to what it is to be a human being in that in that in a sort of kitchen sink way it's yeah. the opposite but it is it's a wonderful ride and it was a wonderful ride to do and matthew vaughan is a brilliant entertainer who can hold all this stuff uh, and lead lead you, lead you, mm. part sort of Pied Piper, part um, circus master. And Reese, uh, was it the same for you? Did it uh, unlock? Yeah, it is. You know, it is that childhood thing. It, 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 yeah. It's it's um, it's a big what if, you know, and you you play and exist in the what ifness of things, you know. Mm. Um, and this is a what if, you know, what if the Kingsman were involved at every kind of significant uh, turn of events leading up to the First World War. Um, um, and yes, you know, in terms of its size, its, its epic um, uh, canvas, you know, it does kind of doff its hat to so many other films that one might have grown up with, you know, everything from Lawrence of Arabia to, to Mary Poppins, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, there, yeah. there's, there, there are those kind of flavours and layers in this, you know, that, that kind of trigger um, those comforting um, recollections of your experience with, with cinema, you know, um, and, 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 and the joy of watching, um, watching actors act, you know, and, and I, I sometimes love watching an actor enjoy acting, you know what I mean? Mm. 
um, and, 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 and to be giving a vehicle where that's permitted, you know, um, like so often happened in these, in those older films. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I've just spoken to Matthew and I spoke to Matthew at length about this movie over the last couple of years as well. And uh, one of the things he's proud of is the fact that, yes, there's a Kingsman sheen to it all, but, you know, these are real world events. These are historical events. And for the most part, the the dates all work out. Uh, And uh, Rasputin's death is... I think fairly well known the circumstances in which he died. You know, he was poisoned, he was shot, he was drowned, he was stabbed. They did mm. everything they could. Uh, mm. But there's a Kingsman gloss to that here. There's a Kingsman gloss to what happens to Tsar Nicholas II and Kaiser Wilhelm and and obviously mm. George V as well. Uh, but that means as well that you have these real world bases you know, to to form your characters. Was that interesting for you? You're doing that, you know, going back and doing research into people who actually lived and breathed, but at the same time, you have to make it slightly larger than life, or even in, in your case, Reese, even, I, I say, very larger than life. Well, that was, that is the thrill of the, of the film, and you mm. expressed it very well. Uh, so, yeah, we, we got to play these real historical characters with just uh, a bit of a twinkle, a bit of a bit heightened, a bit exaggerated, sometimes comical, sometimes not comical. There was a debate I felt when we were filming it about the tone mm-hmm. and about how bouncy and crazy and fun and silly it was and how dramatic it was. And I think Matthew uh, was working that out for himself as we were doing it and mm-hmm. then continued to work that out in the edit. Um, and what the end product, though it may have changed since we last saw it, <laughs> but it's a, uh, it, what it does is take you through those different tones, takes you into very familiar Kingsman, Kingsman shapes, Kingsman film. You're very aware that you're in the franchise, that you're in the prequel, the origin story of the existing films. Mm-hmm. But then it takes you down dark into darker areas to do, obviously connected to the history of the first world war, which is a, there aren't so many laughs in. But with, with you, Tom, you have three roles to play. So how did you go about doing that? Did you have a chart, for example? <laughs> you don't do the Jean-Claude Van Damme thing, for example, of just <laughs> slicking your hair back. And that's how you can tell people apart. Yes, no, or the, or the Mission Impossible thing. I don't actually didn't get the Jean-Claude Van Damme reference. Uh, sorry. There's, the, there's an amazing movie called uh, Double Impact uh, in which Jean-Claude Van Damme plays twins. And in order to tell the twins apart, one has her hair slicked back and the other one okay. doesn't. Okay. Yes. Well, the economy is just, is just <laughs> you know, humbling. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the sheer artistry on, on show is, is, is uh, amazing. I did twins once and it was, uh, yes, there were that I had subtly different teeth. Oh. Um, anyway, uh, so I thought, no, I'm supposed to be identical twins. Let me be identical. But uh, nobody was confident uh, in that. <laughs> anyway, but no, these are not triplets. Um, so they are distinct, different characters. So it was, I didn't get confused. Um, my, my, my uh, I found it sometimes hard to go between Russian and German accents easily on the same day. That, that was challenging. Okay, uh, but no, there were there are three, and there is a book about them called "The Three Emperors" by Miranda Carter, which I uh, dipped into uh, before we filmed and had it never far from 
uh, my bedside when we were doing it because that was full of brilliant character detail uh, for the three people. Um, but mostly you're playing the scenes that you've that have been written, obviously, by the, yeah. the writers of the film, and you're mm -hmm. making those moments come alive. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was very good fun. Absolutely. And uh, and Reese, where did you begin with Rasputin? Obviously, Boney M, and that and that's that's a obviously, given. You know, Boney M was never like Tom, never far from my bedside. <laughs> 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 Always playing that one. Um, no, I mean, I, you know, the, the great thing about Rasputin is it, it's such a, in terms of authenticity, or and it, it, it's such a specific look, you know, um, that everyone seems to know it, you know, and um, so the look was very important. Um, obviously, the Rasputin in Kingsman is such a, you know, excessive departure from the real man, because there's no way Rasputin had the moves that my Rasputin does, you know, in any way, shape or form. Um, he wasn't the great martial artist that we um, um, propose in this uh, version. But one does, you know, when, you, when you're playing it all like this, you, 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 you naturally become curious about the character you're playing, you know, more curious. And, you know, hopefully when people watch the film, they might become, they go, they'll say, he couldn't have been like that. Let's let's read up about him, you know. Um, so yeah, you do get curious, and and of course, anything you read and anything you find out about a character is useful, you know. Whether whether it's shown or revealed or not is is another question, is another matter. I think it's the writer's job to to serve history, yeah. And it's the actor's job to serve the writer, you know. Um, um, uh, and in this case, obviously, you respond to what you're given on the page yeah. and. Um, decide with the director what what elements of Rasputin, um, be it the mystery, be it the you know the healer, the mystic, the politician, the 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 sexual predator, the which one which one which one requires to be illuminated at any given moment to serve the narrative. Mm. And uh, it's it's interesting in that he's a character who's so larger than life that uh, it must give you great license as an actor. There's a there's a moment in the film where Rasputin eats a Bakewell tart, and mm. the way you attack that Bakewell tart mm. just made me laugh. Uh, but I also thought, as well, actually, I'm you see again, again, the, 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 you, thank you. Um, but the, you know, there are many references in in the in the film that you think are made up. But in fact, are not. You know, for instance, not many people know that when Rasputin was uh, assassinated, there were members of the British Secret Services present at his assassination right. and in the planning of his assassination. The Bakewell Tart was a conscious choice on my part because Rasputin was famously um, had zero table manners and was a disgusting um, eater. Crowds would gather, apparently, you know, of high society to watch him um, devour, uh, um, you know, a mini Russian banquet or a, or a, or a cream tea. Um, he had, you know, he, he knives and forks were for, you know, getting stuff out of his beard. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it just made me think, yes, it made me laugh, that scene as well, but it also made me think, I hope you didn't have to do too many takes of that. Because I can I imagine... Know, I did about 17 takes of that. And literally, um, 
I didn't, my, my poo didn't get back to normal for several months after it. There was this very unpleasant, deep, kind of low yellow cloud of almond any time I left the room. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, Tom, anyway, it's all good now. I'm glad. I am so glad. Yeah. I'm not, thankful this is not this. This is virtual because I, I yeah. don't have to check, which is good. Uh, Tom, have you ever had to make make such sacrifices for your art uh, in terms of? Um, I'm not going to you know probe your poo, yeah. obviously, but no, I've had a much easier time of it than Reese. Is it? I no, nothing. Nothing rivals the low, the low yellow cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, I think the yellow, yeah, the low yellow cloud is probably my signal to wrap this up and uh, and, and move on. But guys, this movie is now going to be out on Boxing Day, so I think people can they can load up a Bakewell tart and go and see the film. And uh, and who knows, there might be papers all over the place. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for supporting us. You know, thank over you. all yeah. these years that we've been making it. Thank you so much, Reese. Tom, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, right, Ted. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay, so that was Risa Fans and Tom Hollander, and we'll be talking about The King's Man later on in the show, because now it is time to talk about this week's movie news. And there is some. I, don't, <laughs> I can't believe there actually is movie news. But Santa Claus, oh, the Santa Claus of movie news was kind to us, and he dropped the new trailer for Death on the Nile. It keeps saying Death at the Nile, but Death on the Nile. <laughs> death in the Nile would be more death, interesting. Death in the Nile, Death by the Nile, Death adjacent <laughs> death to by the, the Nile. Nile. <laughs> I'm there for that. Death by Nile. Oh my God. Death by Niles. Oh my <laughs> word. There's a Frasier episode that's yeah, just waiting say? to be rebooted. Niles. Uh, you can't tell I've got COVID-19, can you? It's all good. Anyway, so... Honestly, the, no. No, it's totally fine. I am 100% straight down the middle and not in any way, shape or form delirious. So, Death on or by the Nile is the second Hercule Poirot movie directed by and starring Kenneth Branagh. As the great Belgian detective, moustache and all, and they've just dropped a new trailer for it, and it's coming out in March. February, maybe February, February. February. Yeah, yeah, it's coming out in February. And um, the reason that they've just dropped the trailer is because Santa and his little elves were busy beavering away on the trailer, recutting it to remove as many traces of Army Hammer as they possibly could. (laughs) Stop! And they pretty much succeeded. No hammer time. <laughs> Wowzers. Talk about this whilst I try not to die. I mean, the trailer shows you there are many, many other great people in this film. Mm. Gal Gadot is very much front mm. and centre, as is Kenneth Branagh's moustache, quickly followed by Kenneth Branagh. Who is playing <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's moustache in this particular film? I think it's Daniel Day Lewis. I think he came back. <laughs> He went full method. Many, many people. Uh, Letitia Wright is in there. French and Saunders. Russell Brands. Annette Benning. Annette Benning. Amazing. Emma Mackey from Sex Education is in this one as well. Rose Leslie. The boat from Steamboat Willie. (laughs) Sophie Okonedo from Wheel of Time. The Nile from... Egypt. The planet Earth. <laughs> from yes. The Mummy, of course, yes. From 1999's The Mummy, correct. Yes, that's where, that's where I know Denial from. That's where you know Denial from. I was yeah. in denial about it, but hey. uh, but now now I am totally on board. Uh, so yes, so this is the movie that was meant to come out with great bells and whistles before the pandemic began. Uh, and that movie 
starred, as I believe this one will also do, Army Hammer. Now, Army Hammer, you know, he's 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 been a very naughty boy, hasn't he? He's been on the naughty list big time. Shall we just leave it at that? And, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and, and, and so they have a bit of an Army Hammer problem in this mm-hmm. movie, which is that he is, if reports are to be believed, and of course there's a, a book available in various versions of the stories, so you can see how his character would compare to other characters iterations of this character is pretty much the second lead in the film and so that's a bit of a problem in terms of marketing and it's a bit of a problem perhaps in terms of how the movie is structured and they didn't do what Zack Snyder did with Army of the Dead and when he had a problematic cast member in Chris Delia and he replaced him with Tig Notaro uh, using green screen very judiciously and very inventively as well. Uh, that perhaps was easier to do with a supporting character in that movie than it is with Army Hammer in this one. So they don't seem to have done that. But what they have done is done their level best to pretend that Army Hammer is not in this film in the trailer, which I thought was fascinating. I, re- I really did. It was just, it was like a, it was like the prestige. It was like watching the, the big magic trick at the end and just being dazzled. Now you don't see him. Now you really don't see him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wonder if they've done Avengers and literally digitally removed him from a few frames of the trailer. I think it's just judicious cutting though. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's great other people in this film. So I, I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll still be a, a handsomely mounted production. Um, I imagine people will still go and see it. I just, uh, I, it's a very strange situation for it to be in. Yeah. Mm. Maybe there'll be a scene very roughly inserted in the start of the film where it's like, oh no, that character's fallen off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just cut around him for the rest of it. Perhaps. Just Army Hammer died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> 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 oh please please sir ken if you're listening to listen i know you are please do that please insert that into your movie that would be that would be really really lovely but anyway the movie looks good i mean it has a little bit of a problem where the, the, the central dilemma seems to be that uh, gal gadot's character is so rich she can't trust anyone to be her friend which i think I is a relatable same. thing yeah. that we've all <laughs> we've all been through so i'm looking forward to this one unlike uh, murder on the Orient Express. I don't know the ending of this one. That has one of the most famous murder mystery endings of all time. And I know, hey, I hear Agatha Christie, pretty big deal, famous books, etc. But I don't know how this one ends up. I don't know who the murderer is. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm quite excited to find out. Speaking of which, it won't actually help you for this film because of where it's set. But did you see the Ryan Johnson interview last week where he was talking about iPhones, which I found absolutely fascinating? Yes, he, he, when- he revealed this within about two weeks of Knives Out coming out. Oh, really? So it's an old thing, but I only saw it last yeah. week. I, I just found the idea that Apple won't allow the villain to have an iPhone a fascinating idea. So the, not to spoil it, the person who commits the crime, should we say, in Knives Out is the only one not using an iPhone. So yeah, villains use Android. Apparently that's a fact. I really want to go back through some films now and watch out for who has an iPhone and not and see if this actually constitutes a spoiler to future films. You know what? Thinking about this now, I'm going through my little um, database of movies on the internet that's in my head. Darth Vader doesn't have an iPhone. That's also true. Oh my God, that's a spoiler. Hans Gruber doesn't have an iPhone. No. Oh, come on. Dead that's, giveaway. No, that's, that's too coincidental. That motherfucker doesn't have an You know who doesn't have an iPhone? You know who doesn't have an iPhone? Kevin Shitty McAllister. Boom. Ooh. Whoa. Okay. Now he, has right. that, what's the, he has a talk man instead. So, you know, 
clearly the next best thing. The worst, <laughs> just the absolute worst. And he's in a scene with Donald Trump. How could you be in a scene with Donald Trump and have Donald Trump not be the worst person in that scene? Be Kevin McAllister. That's how. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Just just FYI, Chris has not seen Home Alone 2. I'd like to make that clear to everyone listening. Is he in a scene with Donald Trump? Technically, yes. Well, then the defence rests. Okay. Wouldn't you be the prosecution? Never mind. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mens rea. Mens rea. It's all good. It's all good. I'm very sweaty. I'm in my pyjamas. Are your knees weak? Are they Are actual pyjamas? <laughs> They're Liverpool FC pyjamas? These are my Liverpool FC pyjamas. No, this is my LFC pyjamas. And uh, <laughs> I'm wearing LFC slipper socks on my feet as well. I am wearing bottoms as well, I should reassure you. And indeed, a listening public. Uh, but I just, you know... Ah, this was perhaps a mistake. But anyway, let's push on. <laughs> let's push on, shall we? And uh, see how we go. What else has been happening in world movie news? There was another trailer. The Lost City had a trailer, which is one of those trailers that I think gives away the entire film, but I very much enjoyed it. I want her bright pink glittered jumpsuit. It's spectacular. Her being, her being Sandra Bullock. Uh, him being Channing Tatum. But there's a second him. I, like, it's in the trailers, so it can't be a spoiler but I didn't know that Brad Pitt was in this. My mind was blown at that because that is almost certainly a comedy cameo for five seconds that he's the big hunky man who comes along and rescues her and then dies, presumably in horrible circumstances. Mm. And then she's left on her own with Channing Tatum to you know, fend for themselves in weird circumstances. And why would you give that away? Unless, of course, you were worried your film was going to flop massively and went, hey, here's Brad Pitt. But the Maybe. rest of the trailer was fun too. Like, I don't, you know, I don't quite get why they, they, they felt that insecure. And obviously Channing Tatum mm. feels insecure after Brad Pitt turns up, but everybody else should be secure. Mm. You know? So what's, what's, the, uh, what's the basic premise of this movie? So then? the premise is not a million miles from romancing the stone. And I say that as a compliment. <laughs> um, the, uh, let's call Sandra Bullock's character Joan Wilder, because I didn't pay attention to her character name, but Jon Wilder. Um, she is a writer. She has written this very successful series of novels. Channing Tatum plays her cover model. He is the Fabio of this situation. He doesn't get hit by a goose on a roller coaster that we see so far, but fingers crossed, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing brings me more joy. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> she is uh, recruited slash kidnapped by an eccentric billionaire played by Daniel Radcliffe. To who believes that her research for her books has actually turned up some information on the actual lost city of gold, presumably. Um, and and he kind of basically takes her off into the jungle to try and help him find this lost city. And Alan, determined to show that he can be more than a pretty face, God bless him, follows her in an attempt to be useful. Yeah, I think you've, you've nailed it. We don't need to see the movie now. <laughs> I want to see the movie. It looks fun. I mean, look, the Romancing the Stone model is is a great one. And uh, the twist of him being a model in it, I think, is will be fun. Uh, having two slightly useless heroes is is potentially, you know, entertaining. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just super in for this. And I genuinely really want that jumpsuit. So if somebody could just send me one of those, that'd be, that'd be great. Thanks. I have to say, I didn't yes, love this trailer, but it does make me very happy to see Channing Tatum just generally back, but also in, like, big dumb himbo mode. Like, it's very much the sort of uh, niche he ploughed in the Jump Street movies, where he is the sort of tough guy, but he's also a total dimwit. Um, him and Sandra Bullock seem kind of charming together. Uh, I'm always happy to see what Dan Radcliffe is up to, because he just makes weird, fun choices, <laughs> and I'm always happy to see that. I just found the tone of this trailer a little bit desperate even before the Brad Pitt thing and it's like the, the premise is funny mm. and, it, and it's cool and it's it's action and it's comedy we all want to see an action comedy with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock 
but yeah, there was something about the whole tone of the whole thing where it was just like sort of trying too hard, but not necessarily, I don't know, it just wasn't connecting. And then, yeah, the cameo stuff, that felt like a real like, ooh, you've put this in, in the trailer already. Um, I, I hope the film, I hope that the film yeah. is good and they just are struggling with how to market it because, yeah, it, 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 everything about this on paper sounds great to me, but I, when I watched that trailer, it didn't hit the mark for me, which is a shame. Interesting. Okay. Well, we shall see, because the, the Lost City, uh, which is formerly known as the Lost City of D, uh, but presumably then Tenacious D, sued. Uh, that will be out early next year. I think around right. February and March again. Uh, but, you know, guys, I have added something to my Christmas list. Mm, what's that? Avenge father. Save mother. <laughs> kill Fjolnir. Which is the mantra repeated in the trailer for The Northman by Alexander Skarsgård's character. Oh, I want to see this so much! This film looks fucking incredible and will also make £4.57. Yeah, I mean, that's sadly true, but uh, never look a gift, gift Norse in the mouth. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think this looks so much fun. I, I mean, I love, I mean, I've watched every episode of Vikings. I'm always here for Norse action. I love The, Lo- the Last Kingdom. Um, and this looks fucking glorious. I'm, I, something has just occurred to me. Something has just What's occurred that? to me. It has nothing to do with this, but I have an iPhone. Chris has an iPhone. <laughs> ben has an iPhone. <laughs> Helen has an Android phone. Now, I'm not casting any aspersions here. I'm just saying one of these things is not like the other. You have rumbled my cunning plan to kill you all. Ben is not the serial killer. I am the serial killer. It was Helen all along. But but how were you planning to kill us, Helen? I mean, none of us were particularly under the weather. Oh, my God. What's in that bottle you're drinking, Chris? No, it's just it's just water, Helen. Or is it? Or is wait, no, it? Hang on. You're, you're meant to say it in that tone of voice. Oh, wait, sorry. Oh, yes. God. Or sorry. is it? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, it's, no, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to sit here and monologue about my evil mm. schemes, am I? Come on. But anyway, back to the Northman, <laughs> <laughs> which looks very, very, very good. Uh, has so many good people in it. Alex- Alexander Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy, oh, Willem Dafoe, yes. uh, Nicole oh. Kidman, Ethan Hawke as a Viking. Love Ethan Hawke as a Viking. Hawke the Slayer. Um, Bjork as Hawk a Viking indeed. witch. Bjork as a Viking witch. So here for Bjork it. as a Viking witch. <laughs> yeah, it's got the, the mountain, whose actual name I absolutely cannot pronounce in it as well. So you're really struggling this week with Game of Thrones I, um, people, it's aren't the you? Icelandic names. I can't be dealing with it. Uh, sorry to everyone listening from Iceland. I apologise. This is my fault, not yours. Yeah, well, it, it is. Our you should fault. check your fit yourself before you wreck your fit yourself. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think you've now offended Iceland. <laughs> Um, but yes, this looks great. All the Vikings, all the time. Robert Eggers, love it. Mm, actually, all the Northern Ireland all the time. So, you know. Oh. Yes. Visibly, visibly Antrim. This is actually an Ian Paisley biopic. <laughs> <laughs> the Northman is the Northern Irish man. <laughs> yes, yeah, it that's it. Avenge father! See if mother! <laughs> Say no! <laughs> that's, basically, that's basically what this is. Wow. Oh, Lord. What is this happening? isn't helping. No. <laughs> looks great. It looks great. It looks amazing. I cannot wait. It Can't does look wait. That bit where somebody yeah. chucks a spear and then he catches it and throws it back is the coolest yes! thing oh. since the Hawkeye trailer when somebody threw a Molotov cocktail at Clint Button and he caught it and <laughs> chucked it back. Um, that is my new favourite action beat. Do that in yeah. every action film. It doesn't matter whether it's set in contemporary New York or <laughs> Viking times. That, where was yeah. that? Like that would mean that was a huge sway of the time. It's a proper flex. Ago, it's a yeah. proper flex. Very cool. It is. Do it always. It is a proper flex. It looks great. Anything else? 
Yes. Well, did you see that Kevin Feige was talking a little bit Spider-Man stuff? And he was saying that they are currently working on the next Spider-Man collab, as I believe the young people say, uh, between Sony and Disney. So it is not a parting of the ways after No Way Home, which is interesting to me because I wondered whether this was going to be, you know, obviously we're not talking about the end of No Way Home, but I wondered whether that was going to facilitate a slip into the spunk verse. Um, but I wonder whether that's now the case or whether we're going to get a spunk and then a, no. another an MCU version. I don't, I don't know. think I don't think either company wants to kill the golden goose. And I think they realise that, that people love this. And I think yeah. people would be cross at both companies, but especially at Sony. If, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that's justified. I'm not saying it's justified, but I, I think that would be the case um, if if they went their separate ways. We love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. We love him playing with the other MCU characters. We want more of that. So I think there was there was an incentive for everybody, possibly with the exception of Tom Holland, who may at one point want to do different things in his life, um, to to work something out and to keep this going and to find yeah. new cool things to do. So yeah. um, I think I do think they've left laid the groundwork for at some point having a very, very separate world. They already have a very, very separate world with Venom and so on. So they have room to play on their own as well. But, you know, everyone is so in love with Spider-Man as part of the MCU that I think it's, you know, there, there's every incentive to keep that that happening. Do you think he specifically said this after Sp Spider-Man No Way Home made all the money in the world at the box office? And they were like, you know that thing where we're going to bring him into the Sony-verse? Let's not do that thing and let's take all the nah, money instead. This is not this is not a knee-jerk reaction, I don't think. No, I don't think that was ever a thing. Because uh, you said that we did it. We, so we've done two spoiler specials for this movie We so have, far. yeah. Uh, James joined us on the second one and you said that you expected to speed of the divorce movie and I never expected I did. that. I, did. I, 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 I expected this movie uh, to set up and continue. And um, Listen, we're not going to talk about it. We're not, we, there are major things that happen in this movie and we should be cognizant of the fact that even though, as James pointed out, it seems like everybody in the world saw this film over the weekend. We'll talk about that in a second because it did something to the box office that I thought was never going to happen again. Uh, but... People have seen the movie, but we have to be cognizant of the fact that there are people out there who haven't seen the movie yet. So we're going to tiptoe around some of the major things that happen in the film. But what I will say is that, you know, it does leave the door open for more Tom Holland in the MCU adventures. I think we can say that, right? That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's fair. That's, that's fair to say. And uh, I think that's the way they're going to go. And there will, there will, there will be other things being developed under the purview of Sony and their Spider-Man universe that they're setting up. And meanwhile, Tom Holland will be over here playing in the MCU with all his mates. Uh, I think that is a best case win-win scenario for everybody. Another thing, go back to what Helen said. Yes, at some point, Tom Holland will probably want to do something else. And didn't he say something recently along, along the lines of, if I'm still playing Spider-Man when I'm 30, then I've done something wrong. He's 25. Now, they could fit another three movies in conceivably before he's 30. Oh, easy. Easy. But he has also done, it's not like this has been a, a, a millstone around his neck, stopping him from doing other stuff. He oh, has true. done tons yeah. of movies over the last few years. Uh, and so I think as long as he can work out, a, yeah, it's basically like being a, 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 an actor in a long running TV show at this point, isn't it? You have your, you know, you'll do your four or five months a year on Spider-Man stuff, and then you get six or seven months to, to film. Cherry. Yeah. So that I think that will happen. But then there is the box office stuff, which is that it made... Over five hundred million dollars, Spider-Man: No Way Home, at the international, at the worldwide box office, mm. uh, including over two hundred and sixty million dollars in the U.S. box office, which is the second highest opening weekend of all time, <laughs> and it is the third highest global box office opening 
of all time. Now, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. one of us literally <laughs> one of us one of us is literally in the grip of COVID-19 <laughs> right now and it is tightening its grip. I have been watching the box office of movies take a massive hit over the last two years to the point where something like a Bond comes out and makes $779 million or, so, or something, <laughs> feels very precise, worldwide. And that's the highest grossing Hollywood movie of the year. And everyone's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Whereas previously, would like you, you know, you get close to a billion or whatever. Fast Nine didn't even get close to a billion. All, all that sort of stuff. Lots of movies have not been getting close to what they would have done pre-pandemic. And I genuinely thought we would never be in a position where we would see this an opening like this again, or a movie become an event like this again. And I think almost outside the box office story, that's the story of Spider-Man: No Way Home. Somehow, this has become an event again. Packed out mm. cinemas playing round the clock. I mean, like the you know the weird thing is, you know, the first Spider-Man movie did this. It was the first film to have over at that point wasn't the record a hundred million dollars opening weekend. One hundred and fourteen um, had been made. Right, and and yeah. that was that smashed records at the time. It smashed expectations. It suddenly opened up this new era of what a superhero movie could do and could be. And I don't think people saw that coming at all to that that degree. And I think people maybe underestimate how much Spider-Man is loved around the world, how many people grew up with those cartoons and have a huge well of residual affection for the character, even if they've never picked up a comic in their life. And of course, if they have picked up a comic in their life, chances are they picked up a Spider-Man comic. It's what he is one of the giants, you know, along with Soups and Batman and the X-Men. He's he's absolutely A-list. And I think we kind of sometimes forgot that at times when the films haven't maybe lived up to expectations but it you know it hasn't dimmed his appeal i mean in the internet waters you could feel how insanely high the hype was for this film like just being doing what we do and and being even within empire on the more online side of things that james and i are you could feel there was a, like an extra level of excitement for for this on way beyond anything else that's been happening recently even um obviously bond hits a very specific sort of uk spot and there was a real urgency to go and see that before it spoiled but spider-man in so many ways and with all of the rumors and everything going on around that film was just on another level and i think as we said chris on last week's show when we came out of the film, we were only semi-joking when we were like, is it on at midnight? What if we went back and just saw it immediately again? And I think it is mm-hmm. going to have that kind of legs. It'll be interesting to see how that works versus the fact that Omicron, especially in the UK, is, is pretty widespread yep. at the moment. Yep. Things are really ramping up very quickly again. Um, I would definitely have been back to see it again by now if that hadn't been the case, uh, possibly maybe even more than once. At the moment, I've only seen it at that one screening. So I'm really intrigued to see how that impacts the repeat business. But I think I am certainly planning on when things calm down a bit and once we're past Christmas, I will go back again. I will go back many times and I think yeah. other people will be in that situation as well. So I, I can see this one not only having this huge initial rush of everyone going to see it to to to, to see if it lived up to all the rumours and the, and the theories and everything happening around it, but because it is, I think we're all agreed in this room, really damn good and so exciting really and good. full of joy yeah. that you want to go back and see it again. I've been told three different dates for my self-isolation termination <laughs> by three different NHS apps. So one says it's Boxing Day, another one says it's the 27th, another one says it's the 28th at midnight. Um, 
And if all is clear and my wife is clear, will and cinemas are open by that point, because there's a possibility they may not be, uh, in this country anyway, then I'd, I'll definitely go back uh, and see it again, because the, I think this thing is almost chemically engineered in a lab to provoke that sense of joy and excitement and wanting to go back in the cinema. And I wasn't really joking that night, Ben. If it had been night screening, yeah, I might have done it. I would have gone. I might have done it. I seriously I considered it. there was a 6.40 a.m. screening on the following day, on the day it came out. And I seriously considered going to that. And then I decided to catch myself <laughs> on the set. So bit, but I considered it. Uh, catch so. yourself on now, Helen, there, and you don't want to go to see last <laughs> Spider-Man that early in the morning, so you don't. Um, there's another story in these numbers as well, which is this $260 million opening weekend in the States is more than the entirety of Venom Let There Be Carnage's run, or Eternal's run, or Ghostbusters Afterlife's run, or even things that have you know been like big hits in the, in the middle of the pandemic, like mm. F9 and, and Bond. But I saw some... Quite a bit, actually, of criticism coming uh, the way of Disney over the weekend, which I thought was interesting because of the scheduling of some other releases, which frankly got trampled by Spider-Man No Way Home at the box office. Both are Disney films. West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which mm-hmm. is, you know, even in the pandemic, it hasn't done well. It's done 18 million in the States after just two weeks, which for a Spielberg picture is just unheard of, pretty much. Uh, and Guillermo del Toro's Fantastic Nightmare Alley. I think it's the best thing he's done since Pan's Labyrinth. Ben slightly disagrees, but, but um, it's, it's well, 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 well off. good. Really well good. It's well, well it? good. It's well, well good. It is a tremendous, tremendous movie. And that, quite frankly, did not do well when it opened at the weekend. $2.8 million opening weekend. Some people are going, well, this is Disney putting up a, a Marvel movie against these these two movies that they that they inherited from the acquisition of Fox, and they basically just buried them, left them out to dry. There might be some truth in that to an extent, but we should also consider the fact that No Way Home is not a Disney movie, it is a Sony movie, mm-hmm. and we should also consider that we're in Oscar season, and yeah. this is the time now when movies like West Side Story and, and Nightmare Alley will make their late run. Um, you know, this is pretty much the time when four years ago, The Shape of Water started getting released, for example, and then it became suddenly the Oscar frontrunner. This is traditionally the time when you, you know, you release a couple of the, um, the, the late breaking horses into the race and it just hasn't worked for whatever reason. People, older audiences might be a little bit panicked about going back to the cinema, especially with Omicron wreaking havoc. I don't know. What do you think, Helsinki? Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's probably more like it, right? Because the thing is, you know, there is absolute precedent for always pretty much every year having a behemoth at this time in the cinema, whether it's a Star Wars movie, whether it's a Lord of the Rings movie, if you go back a bit further, a Harry Potter movie, going back about the same length of time. There is always a big movie at Christmas, at least one, sometimes mm-hmm. two. Um, and there are also all of these Oscar contenders who are also trying to break through the noise and especially, let's be honest, qualify for the Oscars by being released in at least LA and New York before Christmas. So they there's you know, this happens every single year to to some degree. Yes, Disney probably could have, you know, maybe put a bit more thought into that. And I personally adore West Side Story in particular, and would like to see it, you know, make all the money and win all the things. But you know, you've—I don't know what the—I don't know what the scheduling would have been mm. like elsewhere. I'm not sure that any other weeks would have been particularly better. 
And I don't know that it's easy to predict anything in this current climate. I think it's, you know, all bets are off. The rules are up is down, down is up. You don't really know what's going on. I think their audience definitely skews a little bit older. And I kind of think, you know, as as Chris has demonstrated, you know, we'd all die for Spider-Man, but fuck me, I don't want to die for West Side Story. So, you know, I'm, hey, I'm pretty sure hey. you did die in West Side Story. <laughs> I mean, not far off, so. <laughs> yeah, th- there is an in inbuilt kind of audience a huge inbuilt audience with spider-man and that extra incentive of oh i need to see it now i will risk it now i will go now so that i can see the film before anyone ruins it for me and that just ain't happening with west side story and uh, as much as i loved nightmare alley that film i have to say is not an easy sell i went into that film thinking i love guillermo del toro but i something about this it's not quite connecting for me and i can see why it's quite difficult to market because the film is brilliant but it's not an easily pitchable kind of one-line thing i think that was always a slightly tricky proposition um and it's not like spider-man invented big christmas blockbusters other as helen said star wars that was one of the other big major kind of world-changing opening weekends what six years ago now with the force awakens so i I, it's unfortunate and i hope people do see west side story because it is fantastic and i hope people turn out for for nightmare alley thankfully here that's late january so hopefully the the waters have calmed a bit by then and and a lot of the spidey hype people have gone and seen spidey many times and will show up for my boy gdt (laughs) But now they'll, they'll be getting ready for Morbius because Morbius will be just around the corner by that point, and they'll be the, the Morbius hype will be will be real and it will be unavoidable by that point. Oh, yes. no, there's there's a there's a longer uh, there's a wider and probably a longer conversation to have here about the future of, for want of a better word, more mature adult oriented cinema. Uh, you know, in, in especially considering the the pandemic, which seems to have change things so much. So something like a Spider-Man No Way Home or a Bond has shown that there is still an appetite out there for the big tentpole movies and that people will still go to see them in droves and pack out cinemas. And, you know, recently in the last four months, we've had a Guillermo del Toro movie not do very, very well. We've had a Steven Spielberg movie do really badly compared to, you know, his track record as a director. We've had you know, an Edgar Wright movie in Last Night at Soho really struggle at the box office. We've had Ridley Scott um, struggle with with um, certainly with um, Last Duel. The Last Duel, and to a lesser extent, House of Gucci, which has actually done pretty well, I would say. But you know, there is a conversation to be had about is this stuff is this is this just a a, a a symptom, another symptom of the pandemic, or is this is this now the new normal? And you know, our studio is even going to want to fund movies like this if you know you're not going to get your 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 money back. Well, I, th- I think you know, like the pandemic is a huge factor right now, especially as you say for older audiences. Nobody wants a, a homogenous box office, least of all us. We like seeing all kinds of films in cinemas. We do. But um, if if people don't go see them, if nobody is with us in those screenings, then you can understand why studios might not rush to make them. Really? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. The, but the, I think the pandemic is a massive factor right now, and I don't think anybody should be drawing conclusions yeah. from from this. Yeah, I honestly I don't know where this is going to end uh, for us. I, 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 I think you know you might see an awful lot more directors retreat to streamers, um, but that would be a shame because you know I I don't want. I, I, I can you know, no one's going to be surprised about this. I'm a big Marvel fan and I love No Way Home. It's one of the greatest cinematic experiences of my life. 
And yes, it was cinematic, you cynical motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I also loved watching Nightmare Alley on a big screen. Mm-hmm. And that was tremendous. And, you know, I, I, I loved watching Dune on the big screen. And Dune was a hit. You know, a, a, a decent size hit. And I loved watching the French Dispatch on the big screen and Belfast on the big screen. And, you know, I don't want that to go away anytime soon. And I don't necessarily see any light at the end of the tunnel right now. But anyway, it's Christmas, right? It's time, time of miracles. miracles. All right, so we're nearly finished the movie news section. Uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit further, we had to stop recording the podcast and go away and do stuff and then come back another day. <laughs> and so this is now the next day. I feel about 47% worse than I did yesterday, but nevertheless, we're going to soldier on. And we're going to complete the news section by talking about two things, one of which just dropped just as we were about to record this, which is the trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which will not come as a surprise to anyone who hung around for the end of Spider-Man No Way Home, because that is what, in an unusual move, plays at the end of that Mm -hmm. movie. It just doesn't have the logo on the end. It just says simply Doctor Strange will return. But this is the, the trailer. Sam Raimi, the goat, he is back to school all you fools. He's going to take you all to full school. That. How do you feel about well, that? So wait, is this like the Guild of Fools? It's a real place. Where you learn to be like It's like a, Hogwarts, but for decades. So you learn to be like a court jester type by going to this school for fools. No, 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 no. It's a school for fools. So it makes you a fool. To turn them into unfools. He's going to unfool you. He's going to unfool the school. Okay. Yeah. Well, great, yeah. I guess. So. He's going to lay down some brand new visuals. <laughs> You're ver- uh-huh. You know the way that, you know, way that people lay down tracks in the studio? He's going to lay down some visuals. I mean, I think we're all Sam Raimi fans here, to, to be fair. Maybe not to the same extent that Chris is, but um, it, this does look fantastic. It looks really good fun. It's surprising, isn't it, how much what ifery there seems to be in Multiverse of Madness. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. This is, a, this is a shock. Yeah, it feels... I think we spoke about this a bit in the Spider-Man spoiler special, uh, and, and I feel like this element of that is now fair game now that this trailer is out. Uh, but it, it does feel very Doctor Strange that it looks like the villain in Doctor Strange in the vul- Multiverse of Madness will be Doctor Strange, or maybe, possibly, more specifically, that Doctor Strange from that episode of What If, I think it's episode five? So if you missed out on four. what... Oh, maybe four. Okay, if you missed out on What If... If, I missed out on it in that I deliberately James, chose not to watch it. this is an animated show, right? So that means that they draw it <laughs> and then they use <laughs> the drawn understand. pictures to tell the story. What, but it's on TV. Is this? You like TV? That's so a ben, thing. Sorry, they, they draw a picture, so it's just a still picture and then no, people no, are no. talking over they it? They draw is lots that... of pictures and then they move them really fast in front of the camera and then it looks like the pictures are moving. Well, hang on. Sounds so like there, are, there are people running in front of the camera holding still pictures, yes, but really yes. fast. Elves move really if, fast. If you want to go in, oh, okay. If, if you want to go into the multiplane camera, Chris, I can go into that. Um, but they used to draw lots of pictures, and now they kind of get a computer to do it, which is which is cool. But there's still people controlling the computers, so it's still you know sort of handmade. Anyway, Amazing. that is what animation is, and there is an animated <laughs> show in the MCU, What If? And yeah, there was a very Doctor Strange-centric episode that, well, I won't spoil it too much, but it set up a, a Doctor Strange gone quite wrong. And it looks like that might be who we see at the end of this trailer, with a, a, a slightly yes. kind of evil grin and a, a much more villainous goatee than uh, our regular Doctor Strange. How, how does a goatee get more villainous? Use an evil goatee template. 
Just let it get a bit longer, pointier at the bottom, maybe. Uh, like like in the Mirror Universe in Star Trek, they all had evil goatees, I suppose. Um, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it is It is uh, an evil Doctor Strange. I mean, do we think this is just cost-cutting by Marvel? You know, they're trying to cut down on their cast. Well, they got a they got a whole batch of Benedict Cumberbatches. Well, I think it's buy one, get one free with Benedict Cumberbatch, and it saves them, you know, finding some other Oscar nominee or whatever to, to play their villain in this movie. Yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly what happened. They went, we want to use you twice in this movie. And he's gone, guys, you know what? I'll throw in the second performance for free. Gratis. They didn't get just one. They got a whole Cumberbatch. Hey. Uh, I, I hope he's double billed. <laughs> that's literally the joke that Chris just made. Oh, I- <laughs> yeah, but in fairness, it, it, it was a better joke than the one I made. <laughs> I hope. So we got a poster with this as well, which barely has any text on it. It doesn't have the title of the film or anything. It's a couple of Doctor Strangers, a couple of Wonder Maximoffs. Um, but I hope at some point we get a poster for this that is both Doctor Strange's and it has Benedict Cumberbatch name and then also Benedict Cumberbatch name at the top. That is what I want. No, I hope it's and introducing Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> as evil Doctor Strange. That'd be that'd be tremendous. Jimbo, what did you think about this? Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm still I'm still hot for the fact that I'm certain that's Shuma Gorath at the uh, at the end of that trailer, uh, duking it out with Doctor Strange in the street. Uh, yeah, it looks nuts. I'm I'm here for Evil Strange. Because uh, I never thought Strange was evil anyway. I know many people think that he's a screaming Bellend uh, and think it's just Bellend versus Bellend now. But no, no, Strange is my man. I can't believe he passed your Bellend test. I, I hate that I had to say that <laughs> sentence. But don't don't you pass James's Bellend test by being a Bellend? So you know, is this really? <laughs> it's complicated, Helen. It's complicated. Well, usually, it filters out Bellendery that doesn't come from James itself. Um, that's true. Whereas I, that is my issue with that first Doctor Strange film. I I know that's the point, know but he's just a, an insufferable twat for so much story, of it. Ben. Yeah, for, for, there's there's a certain amount of insufferable twattery, but as an insufferable twat myself, that doesn't bother me as much. Uh, but also, you know, I, I used to be something of an insufferable twat myself. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but yes, I think uh, I think he has a nice redemption arc, and he's funny, and I like him. Also, he gives excellent goatee. <laughs> well, there you go. Sold. Uh, yeah. And the visuals look suitably trippy, and I'm sure this mm. one's going to get very, very interesting. I do wonder why Stephen Strange is going to want a Maximoff, not a renowned multiverse expert, I would I would say, for for advice in the multiverse, but perhaps she's done a lot of light reading in the, uh, mm. in the interim. As, the, uh, as a Scarlet Witch, she's, of course, more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme, as we learned from WandaVision. So, you know, maybe he And he's not her. even the Sorcerer Supreme. Right now, Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme, so... Yeah. In your face, strange. As I've been saying for a long time. Anyway, let's move on to talk about something else, shall we? Because uh, Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat, and you might be wanting something to read over the Christmas holidays. Well, luckily, folks, you're in good hands with us because it is New Empire time. Hooray! Hooray! I can't really raise my voice much above that, thanks to COVID. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, yes... As of, I don't even know what day it is, it's Wednesday. Okay, so tomorrow is New Empire Day, but yesterday, as you're listening to this probably, uh, is New Empire Day. The latest issue of Empire Magazine is on stands uh, in good and evil and virtual news agents for your reading pleasure, and it is a belter of an issue. Uh, On the cover is a world-exclusive look at Matt Reeves' The Batman, which is not to say that Matt Reeves is playing The Batman. That's a possessive credit. Matt Reeves apostrophe the Batman. The Batman in this is, of course, played by 
Robert Pattinson. And uh, we have him on one cover, and on the other cover we have Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. And inside we talk to everybody involved with the movie, uh, including Key Grips and Best Boys, and it's it's a, it's a good stuff. It's, it's a good stuff, folks. That's how good it is. It's a good stuff. Batman in the multiverse of Katniss. <laughs> no, not Katniss. Not Katniss. Oh, anyway, it's just oh, very confusing. But yeah, it, it's a fantastic, fantastic cover, and I can't wait to read the article. It has not arrived with me yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I've no intention of reading the article, but um, but I'm told it's very, very good. Look, as somebody who has read it, it's full of so much stuff about this film. Uh, I, I learned so, so much about this by the end of uh, of Dan Jolin's piece. It's got so many interesting tidbits in. We also have like standalone Q&A interviews with Paul Dano talking about the Riddler and... Colin Farrell talking about the Penguin and Zoe Kravitz talking about Catwoman. The first time these people have talked about playing these characters and really just digging into what makes this a new iteration of Batman. Like we, I think it's fair to say we've had a lot of those, but there's some really interesting stuff in there about what makes this different and, and new and special. And I now, having read that feature and having watched the trailer in IMAX this morning, oh, I'm very ready for this film. Super ready for it. Well here for it. Absolutely. The Batman. What else is in the issue, folks? I don't have an issue with me and I don't remember anything that happened in the issue because it was so long ago. <laughs> well, it's a massive 2022 preview. So we have tons of other exciting things about all the biggest movies and some of the most exciting TV shows heading your way next year. Uh, we have a first look at Avatar 2 with a brand new character. We chat to Colin Trevorrow about Jurassic World Dominion with a brand new Raptor and him talking about the original trio returning. Got new looks at Lightyear and uh, The Northman and Moonfall. And on the TV side... Moonfall! Moonfall, Moonfall. yay! Moonfall! (laughs) On the the TV side, we have Peacemaker. We have James, I believe, on the return of Peaky Blinders. All the goodness. By order of the Peaky Blinders. Yes. Who else? Guillermo del Toro. Did you mention Guillermo? Yes, our boy GDT uh, writes for Empire, exclusively for Empire, about the making of Nightmare Alley and talking about why it was his most difficult film to make and the sort of practical challenges of COVID, but also basically pushing him to become a new filmmaker by moving into noir territory and, and kind of reinventing himself in that sense Uh, so that's fascinating we also have a major interview with Pedro Almodovar in the run-up to Parallel Mothers Uh, in our Gods Among Us section we are looking over the incredible career of Tilda Swinton yes and then Chris in your juicy juicy section you have the interview we've all been waiting to read for like three months now Yes, that's right. Thomas Alfredson has finally talked about <laughs> Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He has pulled back the curtain on just exactly what happened. Yeah, but I mean that's 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 good. But uh, there's another interview. Yeah, the 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 you know the yeah. other one, the big one. Yes, the the Carrie Joji Fukunaga. That's the one. And Linus Sandgren interview. Yes, so no time to die. The um, fifth and final film in Daniel Craig's run as James Bond is out now, folks. It's out right now in home entertainment, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, digital, all the good stuff. Uh, it's out right now if you're viewing pleasure. And if you fancy after you've seen it and you're going, what just happened there? Why did they do that? Uh, and you want to know exactly what was going through the minds of the filmmakers, you can just pick up a copy of the new issue of Empire and there you will read an in-depth breakdown of the movie's key sequences with the film's writer-director Kari Fukunaga and the DP Linus Sandgren taking us through it in excruciating detail. Um, so that's very, very exciting. They were all stum. They all maintained radio silence after that. 
I think only the official Bond podcast has had interviews with them um, prior to this. But yes, very, very exciting indeed. And uh, yeah, it's full of juicy, juicy tidbits and uh, really and, and fascinating insights into the, the filmmaking process and the choice of shots and how they decided to frame certain things and, and all that stuff. So it's very, very exciting. We also do have an in-depth interview with Thomas Alfredson because Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is an amazing film, is 10 years old this year. We also rank the movies of 1997. And yes, that is the year of Event Horizon. Does it make it in the top 10? I actually genuinely cannot remember, but <laughs> I, I don't think, think it does, it actually. I don't think it does. certain people I don't think it may did. be making the case. Yeah, yeah. I wonder who that could possibly have been. But uh, this is a cracking issue. We also have, you know, interviews with Peter Dinklage in the news section and interviews with Alan Richson, who is the new Jack Reacher. Uh, I got to meet him in a hotel room uh, a couple of months ago, and he does indeed have hands the size of supermarket turkeys. Oh, I could go for a turkey right now, but, you know, Christmas is cancelled and all that. Did did he say something? I know that's Reacher's whole thing is saying nothing. Did you manage to get it him to say something? It was a difficult interview. That's the thing about Reacher. The whole Reacher said nothing is a bit of a misnomer because he does not shut mm-hmm. the fuck up, this Jack Reacher. And uh, and luckily, Richardson took a bit of a leaf out of his book. It was a, it was a good old chat. We also spoke for the podcast, so that'll be out later in next year or early next year, whatever next year is. It's next year, I presume. Anyway, I'm delirious. Let's finish this. Ben, you also spoke to Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, who are the geniuses behind Save the City, the song from Rogers the Musical. <laughs> yeah, they were so much fun. I can't believe we got to do that interview. And it turns out really nicely on the page, but I wish you could all hear it because there were various points where um, Mark Shaman just started like playing the piano halfway through talking. So clearly <gasps> his laptop was resting on the top of his piano and sometimes he'd be talking and then he'd start doing that on his piano. It was incredible. Amazing. Oh my god. Okay, I wonder if you can use any of those as uh, excerpts. Can you can you can you uh, can you put those out as Maybe a little, I'll tweet it or something. Snippets. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Anyway, it's a cracking cracking issue. It will tide you over through the Christmas period and New Year and beyond. And hey, if you have covid as well, I recommend it as um, you know, reading material for one and also if you're coughing, it's remarkably absorbent. So, the new issue of Empire is out right now and all good and evil news agents and of course digitally as well. Don't Use your iPad to absorb anything. <laughs> Believe me, experience has shown me in the past that that is a that's, a, that's just a fool's errand. Uh, anyway, so it's out right now. Go and pick it up and pay our Christmasy wages, you absolute motherfuckers. Hey everyone, it's Chris here, just jumping in at the end of this podcast to tell you that this is the end of this podcast because I'm splitting this Christmassy special podcast into two parts. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, in the interim, uh, since recording this podcast, my wife has come down with COVID and that means I just frankly haven't had the time to finish this podcast. I hope you guys will understand uh, also, it was coming in really long. It was coming in three hours. We still have two guests and a lengthy review section to come in part two. So rather than give you three hours in one chunk, I'm giving you three hours into one and a half hour chunks. Can't say fairer than that. Uh, and also it means now you will get a part all being well on Christmas Day itself. And you, it doesn't come any more Christmassy than that. Uh, so yes, that's it for the end of part one. I'm going to shut up now and just simply say that I hope you enjoyed this. And if you are playing this on Christmas Day or just before Christmas Day, I hope you have a cracking Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. And uh, thank you so much for your support throughout the year. It really does mean 
an awful lot to us. I'll be back next time in part two with Ben, with Helen, with James. In the meantime, enjoy your turkey or turkey substitute. Merry Christmas. Bye.